When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. How you doing there, brother? I am doing okay. I'm a little sleepy today, so let me know if, I've, if I'm not bringing the proper energy. Well, if you're not bringing the proper energy, I can only assume that you're trying to conserve it. And I can't really fault you for that. <laughs> Conservation is key. Indeed. Well, to this week, we're going to talk about walkable cities, or in some aspects, people call it complete streets. If you're an urban planner, that's where you go, is that term complete streets. Okay. But I want to talk about walkable cities, not from the point of view of a planner. I want to talk about it from the point of view of a citizen. I want to explain why you hear these terms and why cities want to change. Okay. First things first, what the heck is complete streets? It is complete streets is like a transportation policy that takes an approach to put the people first. It thinks about where people are, where they want to go and where they should be and designs it to make it easier. It is not based As a car-centric plan, it is based on a travel plan in any possible mode. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Okay, so very few cities in America are designed with complete streets. This is something that I'm not going to call it new because I think it's been a conversation since the 70s. But we're actually starting to see cities, Portland, Oregon is, is one example, where they're actually making these changes Mm-hmm. to help con- help make the city a more appealing place. And we're trying to do some of this stuff in Durand. And sometimes it faces good feedback. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's irrational anger. But I w- that, that's why I want to have this episode, so we can talk about what it is that does change and why it changes. All right, well, I'm going to be honest. You're going to have to lead the way on this one, and I will try to keep up. And when I can butt in and hit you with some knowledge, I will. Fair enough. Most cities in America were built early, early, early on to accommodate horses because that was the common mode of transportation was to ride a horse. So each each building had a place to tie a horse up. It had a place where the horse could drink. And that's how we built our cities. It was just common. We were always going to put those in front of a building. The mm-hmm. streets were a, were a certain way. They were taken care of a certain way. And that's how America functioned until the car. The car is the only thing that knocked horses off of the top of the food chain when it came to city design. Now, think about our current cities. 
what are some of the things that really stand out about how you can get from point A to point B that are just designed purely for cars? Um, okay, so when it comes to cities, and this varies by the size of the city and the population living in it or commuting through it, but I would say there are big intersections, things like roundabouts and different types of structures to, forgive me if I use the wrong word, but to, to mitigate the risk of an accident by controlling traffic and directing it in a way that will slow it down to a reasonable pace or people don't lose control or maybe not see something. That's the whole point of a roundabout. Instead of having a traffic light, they just have a certain system they go in. That's specifically unique to cars. You're not going to see a bunch of Amish people put a big boulder in the middle of an intersection and, and ride four carriages around until Abe can get off to go get his oats. Traffic lights are something that are unique to cars or automobiles, if you will, mm-hmm. or any any form of mass transit, really. The parking meters, but parking meter just kind of, to me, evolved out of the post where you tied your you know, horse to. Well, and these are all um, things that, are, that come in existence because we're driving a car. And we're, what we're seeing in cities now is they keep widening the streets. They keep adding another lane. We live in Michigan where so, I-75 going north on a Friday or south on a Sunday is gridlock and the answer that everybody throws out there is the same which is we need another lane that's a okay so the problem with that right there is that okay another lane in travel is great and really through most of the interstate making another lane isn't that big of a deal in terms of utilizing space if there's just like a a a stone or a gravel shoulder anyways it's already been halfway converted to a lane all they have to do is you know blacktop it and throw some stickers on it or paint you know but where I see issues coming is the the um, the on ramps, the off ramps, you know, where we have overpasses and stuff. You can't exactly just we're making another lane. Are they going to cut the bottom and overpass out? Are they going to completely demo this intersection and destroy traffic and for however many months to make this wider? Well, and, I, I don't. And you might not get that a chance because, <laughs> just like you said, are they going to stop traffic? Are they going to stop the cars from driving places? And that's how everybody thinks when they think about towns, cities, expressways, any of the travel is we can't stop the traffic. And here in Duran, we talked about taking one short block and blocking it off because during COVID, we were having a hard time getting people be able to eat at restaurants and those restaurants. The the eat in the streets thing. Yeah, the restaurants needed that revenue. And boy, you would have thought that we were asking to shut the whole town down when we asked for a one block down the center to be shut down. You know, the the irony in that is that Durant is a small community. Now, it is a fairly big city as far as small communities go. But really, most of your high traffic areas are going to be, you know, towards the the newer side where the interstate is. But where you live, those are all old roads. Even on a busy day, they're not busy streets. And you know, I, I was out there a couple of those Thursdays when we would go down for a burger, and I, I thought the concept was really kind of cool and quite cute. And I think that had it not been met with such friction, there's a lot of other things they could have did. You know, it wouldn't have taken that much work to string those, uh, you know, those, those beautiful little outdoor lights. that kind of look like um, they look like clear Christmas lights. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you could have strung those between buildings right across the road. I mean, it would have taken a little work, but that would have made a real lively nighttime scene. For people to come out, have a good time on the street, they could have played music. I mean, I'm not saying turn it into a club, but they could have did something to kind of put a silver lining on this this hazy pandemic we went through. You know, it was a depressing thing for everyone. I don't understand why people met these positive ideas that were just trying to bring good change with such hostility. Well, a lot of it is 
city design has created a mindset. If you look at my town is a great example because we have just a handful of people in the town, but we have an immense amount of parking. Yeah. We have angled parking in front of the buildings, large, beautiful parking spaces behind it, behind the buildings. And the reason why no one wanted to shut that road down, because they knew I was going to say you can go around one little section was, well, that's all of our parking. And that's what we run into is we've all decided because of how everything is designed, especially in the Midwest, because nothing's close to anything, that you have to drive everywhere. That's where this design process starts starts to push against that, starts to change how a city should be designed. And that is making things close enough. So zoning your city so that the that businesses move into places where people can go, making it safe to travel outside of using a vehicle, mm-hmm. and making the concept of walking, biking, make it safe and fun and exciting to do. And that, that, and that completely changes your city. But it is driven into us since the car existed that it's the only and best way to travel. I, okay, so I agree, but I think it's a little different than just the car thing. I think that if in order to, to, to make this walkable city thing a, a realized vision, like a dream. You need to be able to inspire pride and your community for the town they live in. And the, what I mean by that is when you have a community that supports its local businesses, they take pride in where they live, which means they're more likely to go downtown and to spend money and to walk the city and to spend time enjoying their day there instead of going, hey, you know, I'd love to go to this store, but 10 miles down the road, there's a store where I can get this 75 cents cheaper. We might as well just do all our shopping there. And now, because of that, in their mind, mentally, they already have one reason not to go to town. So they get in their car and they drive to that town. You, earlier, you talked about spreading interstates. Well, to stop the flow of traffic is to stop the flow of commerce, essentially. Obviously, not every car going is going to spend money, but most of them do. So you, I believe to make that happen, because I think it's the greatest idea we've talked about. We talked about some cool stuff. <laughs> I think that to make that happen, people would have to just take more pride in where they live. They'd want They'd have to want to be downtown. Well, and it's funny. So I, you know me, I've always got notes over here to remember to bring things up because here we are, you know, in the first couple of seasons, we really do kind of glaze over topics. So later we can dig into them. But I yes. wanted, something you said is that these cars come into town and they spend money. Well, statistically, we're finding out that is just the opposite. We're finding out that when people drive, they stop at the place they were, they intended to go. Mm-hmm. And then they leave. But that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. They're leaving your town to go spend their money somewhere else, even if it's at one store. Instead of having a shoe store in your town, instead of having a flower shop, instead of having a grocery, instead of having all these beautiful mom and pop businesses, you have a Walmart two towns over. So instead of people going and spending $50 here, $70 here and, and dispersing what they're going to spend amongst the community to give them community a sense of purpose and, and life and to make your, your community fiber stronger. They're going to go drop $400 at a Walmart and then come home and complain about it the whole time. Well, and it, what we're finding is, is that the reason why those shops don't exist is because that exactly what you're saying. The, the car gives mobility and mm-hmm. distance, but it also, it, when you pull into one shop, how often do you pull into that shop, pick up what you were there to pick up and then say, oh, there's two more shops down the road. I'm just going to drive over to each of those or that. Or I'll walk from this store to three stores down. That is a rarity these days. You you get what you wanted and you leave. 
You're right. It is. And that is, I am not a good person to ask that question to because my answer is defined by what I'm shopping for. If I am out on my day off looking to buy things to like to sell on eBay or if I'm going garage sailing, that's what I call the garage sale mentality. That's what that is. Hey, there's a sale here. Hey, let's go there. That's the same mentality that gave birth to the success of outlets malls in general they put all these different places in one area where you park in a giant lot and then you spend all day walking around a small place that's no different than having a busy main street of your hometown that's what i mean about not having these businesses they've they've taken all the business and they've relocated it somewhere else far away and more expensive if if they were located downtown people would have more of an ambition to go there and do these things but you're right most people go to a store they get what they have to get and then they um they go home how often did you ever hear this and if you didn't hear it you're lucky did you ever go out to eat with your folks like to get fast food and you and your siblings couldn't figure out what you wanted so your folks would holler back you better figure it out because i'm not going to more than one place right <laughs> it's no different i mean yes we're talking about food but it's Shopping became more of a a hassle and a burden. And to some degree, I, I agree it is. I, I, I personally despise going into Walmart. I don't like going into any large store like that. And it's a, a, a perfect storm of negative reasons why I don't want to be there. I love going to local places and I'll go there, run into someone I know and gab for an hour. But I understand why people don't want to go more than one place if that's the mood or the attitude that they get. I, I it's It's a certain negativity that's just, it needs to be fixed, man. Well, it's funny because you hit on a lot of the points. So in order to have businesses downtown, you have to have customers. Well, Mm -hmm. if you create this inviting atmosphere, especially spring and summer, where people want to get out, they want to walk, they want to feel safe walking and biking, they go into town. They wander from place to place like it's that strip mall that they parked at. They, They start to visit more than one shop. And... That's what, that is the fight, or I'm not going to say fight, but that is the conversation that a handful of us here in Duran are posing to the community now. That if we do this, our downtown will thrive because people won't be in the cars. People will get to know each other. People will talk to each other. You will make friends with business owners. You will all become part of the community. I think that one of the biggest things missing in regards to communities is a strong, you know, I call community fiber, a a, a lack of relationship and a lack of pride and love people have for their home. And I think that that was present in generations past. And as we've we've grown into a different time and we've we've moved on in life and we've seen the explosions of these big box, we hate the earth stores, things just have went the other way. And it's heartbreaking for me. It's heartbreaking because I want to see business owners in my community do well. I I want to see them succeed. I know firsthand, just as well as you do, no one becomes a millionaire by running a successful small town business. But what they do is they do make a decent living. They do supply a need. They supply a service to their community. They help out a lot of people. They they get friends and, and, and they become loved ones and cared for by the community. Like th- Those are great things. Anyone that accomplishes that in their life, you know, as I call it, writing your own eulogy, it that's that's a point of pride that I think when people achieve it, they enjoy it. And I think that I think that's sorely missing in today's day and age. I think that making the cities walkable, making them inviting and warm in places, people will want to be there. Well, in the last 40 years, we have designed cities that handicap that ability. We design them out of society. 
the small mom and pop shops have to be a destination or they they're no longer visited so i completely agree you know the vacuum sales place doesn't exist because you can buy a vacuum while you're grocery shopping and and while you're buying a bicycle because you're going to the big box store well that changes when you make downtown inviting so some of the things that you may see in a town or a city that generally receive a lot of pushback so these are some things i want to point them out so you know that they're kind of part of this because people get upset without necessarily knowing why like sharpening a turn right now most turns are long sweeping turns so cars don't have to slow down as much they just motor around that turn but if we sharpen the turn then the car has to slow down to make those turns It takes away its ability to sweep around there even quicker, making it safer, first of all, for a pedestrian, but also calms down that traffic. That's something you'll hear all the time is traffic calming. If you have trees along the side of the road, drivers statistically will drive slower. I think that that is, especially in our state, you know, kind of ingrained in us because you always see the deer crossing signs. And when you are not able to see what's actually there, you tend to be more cautious and slow down, which I think is incredibly beneficial in in thriving communities. Because if there's a lot of people roaming around, that means there's going to be a lot of children on bicycles and they can come out of nowhere. I actually have hit a kid before who darted out in front of me. It's not a good feeling. Yeah, it's not fun. Well, and here in Duran, we have exceptionally wide streets, like shockingly wide streets, but we don't use them. We have just lots of extra space for cars. We have parking but we, we have a four-foot sidewalk in, dis, in disrepair and no place to ride a bike. Everybody does it on the street. We even use our roads for golf carts. So they have to ride golf carts, bicycles, everything is in the road because we have no extra space because we have this massive spot for driving and nothing yeah. for any other travel. Now that's changing. I, you know, I was part of the, I'm part of the planning commission. I was part of the master plan design for, for Duran, it the goal is to make Duran 100% connected and walkable and bikeable. But that's what people are going to see in their towns and cities and wonder why the heck do we have this? Why do they sharpen the turns? All you're doing is slowing us down. Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. That's safer pedestrians because pedestrians walk when they feel safe. People ride bikes when they feel safe. You have to put barriers between people so they can feel safe. I completely agree. I think that when you give people the adequate room to feel comfortable, then their their anxieties will ease up and the tensions will lessen. And in terms of, you know, Duran, something you said, you said, you know, really wide streets. That is a town that looks like it was built to host a parade every day. Like, it is ridiculous. You know, Montrose has tiny, itty-bitty little sidewalks. And when if, on the rare occurrence, every parking space, like a parallel space, and the main drag is full, you can hardly fit a semi down there. Like there's nowhere near the room that there is in Duran. Duran's a beautiful city. I really feel like it's, it has a lot of room to grow. Half your buildings are empty. There's no business down. Well, and if you get people walking and spending money downtown, that changes really, really quickly. I hope so. And that's one of the things that we're focused on. So I say these things, not just because it's a, we want to focus on Durand and its changes, but when you, when you look around in any city that you're in, anybody listening to this, look for those changes. If you get an opportunity, talk about these kinds of changes so that people realize that those changes are actually good for the town. Because when you slow down traffic, when you make things safe, when you add trees to protect people and create shade and it creates a comfort, your community interacts with each other. 
They spend that time talking to each other, riding bikes, their leisure. The funny part about it is, is places that have well-connected areas like that have Mm -hmm. higher property values. When you come to look at a house and someone's riding bikes down the road, it, it, it is an indicator of safety. It is an indicator of leisure. And absolutely. it absolutely changes the property value of the home you're looking at. These are all positive things. We just have to give the streets a diet, bring them down to not much bigger than a car, and use that space for something useful. I agree. And I think that one of the things that you kind of started to hit on is that when you're talking to people about these types of causes, one of the most important things you can do is express your feelings about it in a passionate way. Don't just tell them this is the reason we should do this, but explain why. Explain why it's relevant. Explain how it can help their community and help their their life. There are so many aspects of the things we talk about that people handle in what I call the fire and brimstone kind of way. And that's whether in certain situations it's true or is irrelevant. It, It will never be taken the right way. In in order to make a lot of these changes effect, sorry, in order to make a lot of these changes take effect, in order for them to be implemented by people that are willing to make a change, that want to see positivity spread throughout their community, they have to understand on a personal level why these things are important. Now we talk about money a lot, but you know, fiscally is that that's a financially is a big thing in everyone's life. None of us are millionaires. None of us are rich. We all worry about paying the bills and. If you can save money or and improve your community, or in this case, raise your property value, then it's something to really look at. I look at going into a new town the same way I do look at going to a new business. If you walk around and people are friendly and they just say hello and they wave and they smile, you instantly want to be there. You are more likely to stay there happily than you are anywhere else because people are welcoming. And that's important. And I think that in order to have a welcoming community, you need to support that community and to support it in walkable cities. Well, and it's funny because a lot of the people who say it's not like it used to be, I, I wish it was like it used to be, certainly are not happy with the change that puts their city back to the way it should be. I know <laughs> where we're all communicating with each other and we're, we're, you know, we, we always talk about the crime of a town, the crime of a city. Oh, these days it's so much worse, which by the way, it really isn't. We're just more aware of it because of the internet. Yeah. It's a more public world. It's not a worse world. Evil's been in this world as long as we've been in this world. It's not like it's new. Right. But you start putting everybody in, in town, you start letting people walk, you start, you know, communicating with your neighbors, crime goes down. Well, it goes, yeah, exactly. I've said this time and time again. It's not what you think I'm going to say. It's different, but it takes a village. When you have a community that cares about each other, they look out for each other, and crime goes down for two simple reasons. If you live in a small town where everyone knows you, then there's a 100% chance you get caught. And so if you are the kind of person that has nefarious goals in mind, then you are less likely to try to do them. The other side of it being, statistics show that a, a populated town, a happy town, a successful town has a better tax base which means that there's more money to put in things like policing and keeping the town safe. When you have a safe community, more people come in. It is a, it's one of those things where once you start the seeds, it grows and grows and grows. And I think that's amazing. And something you said struck me in the sense you said, I wish it was, you know, the way it used to be. Well, the problem with the way things used to be and can't be now is that that was then and this is now. You take the good things about the past and then you expand on them for the future. That's called growth. Same way with the bad things. You learn what not to do again, and then you don't do it again. So if there are things in the past people wish were the same, 
There's no reason why some of them could survive. Mm-hmm. No one's no one's suggesting, you know, rip the roads out and go back to horse and buggies. No. We're just well, you are ripping some of the roads out. You are shrinking them down. You're just giving other people more ways to travel. We're reducing the amount of cars. We're just not choosing the way you will travel. Because I'll tell you, if it's not safe, you're going to get in your car. Because in your car, it feels safer. If you separate the roads from the pedestrians and they can walk at leisure and they can, you know, ride their golf cart, they can ride a scooter, they can ride a bike. And with e-bikes these days, you can go quite a distance. Absolutely. That takes a lot of cars off the road. It takes a lot of fuel out of being used. It takes a lot of emissions out. It reduces the temperature of your town from the heat island effects. There's so many different things that benefit a town when you stop driving as many cars. No, you're right. There's absolutely an an, almost an incalculable amount of things that influence and changes and it influences everything. The fuel costs, the fuel use, the emissions, the the number of animals that are accidentally struck on the side of the road like there and, and I, I say that and a lot of people you know they probably think of like deer or raccoons but i'm more so talking about people's pets cats that kind of stuff like there's all different kinds of things where having too many vehicles in an area negatively impact the area it's in and i don't want no one to misunderstand us we're not saying we hate cars we both drive them they are a necessary thing in life mm-hmm. but they are also something that's so convenient it's drastically overused and very much over appreciated for the wrong reasons. So for me, if I lived in a community where it was so easy to get everything on a nice day, there's a very good opportunity. I'm sorry. There's a very good chance. I would do a little more walking. Now, when I walk, if I, if I lived with you, when I walk to town every day, no, but when I drive the car to the parking lot behind town and walk through town, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you got to give the opportunity. So for anybody listening, you'll know if your town is set up or working towards complete streets if you start seeing that the town is built around people because that's what it's supposed to do it's supposed to be pedestrian first not cars first you see benches in places we had such pushback on a pedestrian island in front of the grocery store so that's one of our busier streets cars don't go super fast but they do speed up and down that road And we have a facility where a lot of our older citizens live, which is across the street. And if they chose to walk to the store, they have to cross three lanes. Now, the middle lane is a turn lane with no use whatsoever. There's no place to actually turn. If you turn one direction, you go to the grocery store. If you go to the other direction, you're in the living room of a home. So it becomes a passing lane. At no point should you be passing (laughs) in town. (laughs) I understand that, but I'm saying that's what they probably use it as. Curbs were added. There's like a small garden area. And okay, so if someone's walking across, they can stop and take a break. They don't have to make the full Mm -hmm. walk. They can stop, wait for the next car, and then go. And, And immediately in this lane that has no purpose, cars started hitting it. Seriously? Yep. We had to actually put barriers all around it those yellow barriers that you see in front of stores there is i I think six or eight of them now protecting this space because no one could fathom the idea of why anybody would need a break crossing the road but no one thought about pedestrians who just can't run across the road who still need to get groceries having that there is putting the pedestrians before the vehicles and i still faced argument because cars still hit them with the bright yellow poles when i wanted to do something similar somewhere else 
the first thing out of people's mouths is, well, they're still hitting that one. Well, we don't stop building for citizens because a few of them aren't paying attention. You shouldn't change your attempts to improve something based on someone's inability to do the right thing. If you in the rest of the world stopped doing what's right because of the indifference or the just the absolute arrogance of people that did the wrong thing, then the world would never move forward. And that's not the kind of world I want to live in. People should do the right thing because it's the right thing. If people are hitting a bright yellow post, they should not be driving. Well, and my answer was we don't we don't change our design because of that. It gets paid for by the person who did it. We're not absolutely. This is, you have to start conditioning because if those weren't there, they would have hit the people. I think that people somewhere along the way forgot the pedestrians always have the right of way. That was something that was drilled into us so hardcore. And, and when we learned how to drive, the pedestrian has the right of way. And I, I think that the obvious answer is a car is one of the most unique tools in the way that even in its designed intended purpose, if even for a split second, you don't pay attention, it becomes a weapon. Mm -hmm. The uh, There is no, okay, well, dust yourself off and try again tomorrow. Pedestrians have to have the right of way. On top of the fact that, you know, it just makes more sense for people to walk around and enjoy the sunlight on beautiful days. Like you're driving 4,000 pounds around. You have to pay attention. You should be. Well, and it's funny because... And we're not, and, and we're, and I'll be honest, we are not doing this subject justice because there's such deep things we can discuss. One of them is towns that have like Grand Rapids, for an example, or Ann Arbor are notably walkable towns or cities. Mm -hmm. People are generally healthier when they're riding bikes every day, when they're walking from place to place, that they <clears throat> actually have a reduction, a lower cost of health care in some of those areas, even though they're higher cost of living because people are generally healthier. And there's so many different aspects that help your community. And it is sometimes troubling. You know, I, I used to get really upset when people fought some of these things like putting a bench in or having a place to tie a bike up, but I don't anymore. I just automatically assume that if it's change, it's going to be met with negative force. And I prepare for it. Well, yeah, I think that's probably the wisest thing you have to choose from because anytime something is newer, it's strange, or it's different from the content, the the current mental narrative that they subscribe to. And I say mental narrative because you could have 10 people that fight you on the same topic and they each have a slightly different reason. They may be ultimately the same reason, but in their angle, it may be different. They won't understand the value in it until they see it firsthand. You could have some old timer in that town that thinks you sound like a crackpot and he won't understand the value of a walkable city until he gets to take his grandkids to the park and he right. gets to walk with them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something where you just have to force the change. You have to do it and allow people to complain and whine and moan as unpleasant as it is until they discover for themselves their own value in it. And when people start to do it, they start to discover the values that they've lost over time. Then the community gets stronger. Well, and it's, I'm hoping even with as as limited as, as this show is being on the topic that people talk about these kinds of tactics in their towns and cities because it fits right in with edible landscaping from one of our past episodes. What you're trying to do is live a symbiotic relationship with nature within your town or city. The whole concept is we can live in this more comfortable, easier, and healthier without damaging the environment all around us. You start coupling how you travel with reasons you travel, along with things like making everything more appealing. On the way there, you grab an apple. 
You know, it's just building your town or city for you, for your lifestyle. And it's funny that it always reaches that point of pushback, but I'm hoping that people who are listening Take some of these little things, take some of these topics, this public safety, you know, that how it really enforces public safety. It gives people who like to ride bikes or walk a safe place to be able to do those things, how how it really supercharges the local economy. Mm -hmm. Just like for an example, in your town or any town that has a fair, they are hopping during the fair. They are just they can't keep up with their business when they're having a city fair. It's because everybody's out and about walking around. Absolutely. No one is and driving to a place, doing something and driving away. They're all well, there wandering. You you just kind of accidentally hit on another thing. You're right. And everything you said is right, but it goes one step further. When you have a fair in town, a festival, a circus, a community gathering that has a lot of entertainment mm-hmm. spread throughout the community, that means people are coming from other towns to your place of your your home. They're coming to your city. So what do you want to happen? A, you want them to spend money so your community grows. B, you want them to have a good time and come back. Not nece- not next year, the next time your festival comes through, but you want them to say, hey, that looks like a nice restaurant, or hey, look at that park, or hey, dude, did you see they have apple trees, or I'm going to try that coffee shop. You want to develop a relationship with these people so they become familiar with your community because that's how your community is going to grow. People are going to spend money, and they have to enjoy being there. I think that making a walkable city, making a beautiful community is the first step towards, you know, a strong community, a growing community. Now, I think everybody knows that we pre-record these, so I don't know when this one, the date it actually comes out. But right now we're recording pretty close to Valentine's Day. I'm going to give an example of what it means to be a walkable city. Frankenmuth, for an example, is Absolutely designed correct. to allow people to move around the city. Mostly there's, I mean, it could use some pedestrian islands and some other things, but most of it is pretty wide spacing. It is inviting, well lit. There's some safety areas there. That is where my wife wants to go for Valentine's Day with her friends for us to walk the city to different, to different places, to, to restaurant. And then you know, just spend the day in their town and it is freezing outside. I I would push a point further by saying that in Frankenmuth, Michigan, also known as Little Bavaria, it is actually more of a hassle to drive a car through that town. I mean, yes, there is a road that goes through town, but the entire length of the town from the time you pass Bronner's, which is the largest Christmas store in the world, to the time you get all the way to the other side, which is, I think, Junction Street, it's wall-to-wall shopping, wall-to-wall shops, and all different kinds of stuff. You have chocolates and candies and toys and all these beautiful places, and they're all unique. You won't see a single corporate place there, and you need to walk. You cannot drive. Like, there are parking lots scattered throughout the town that you could put a car there and forget about it. And I say that because once the town's up and moving, once you're getting noon to, like, 5 o'clock in the prime hours, you're not getting back on the road. Like, it's... <laughs> The, the best way to, to traverse that city is to walk. And if you want to have a good time out, you can take a horse and carriage and it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I think it's pretty easy to say that the, you know, yes, Frankenmuth is an experience place. Okay. It has a theme. It is. It, but I think some of the thriving, like it is winter and it, in winter in Michigan, I think last night it was what? Negative seven. It is cold like with, that. with the it, wind chill and, and we are going to choose to wander a city outside because it has so much to offer when you do 
we get to go to all these little shops. These shops exist because, as you said, it's a hassle to clog the street with cars. Everybody is walking. Now look at all that yeah. thriving business. That, in terms of in terms of commerce, is one of the best small big cities that you'll ever see, ever. Frankenmuth has does an immense amount of business. They service millions of people a year at their various shops. And it's not, there's no business district. There's not huge, tall skyscrapers. The biggest building that you're going to find in town is a hotel. There's tons of restaurants, countless shops. There's, there's, there's boat, like there's a river boat that you could take a beautiful ferry. I mean, there's tons of things. I've never seen such a amazing and more efficient use of a small space. And there's still houses in that city. They're few and far in between, but there's still people living there. Like, it's not like it's not Chicago. It's, it's impressive. I, like I said, I wish I, I wish we could do justice to the explanation. I, I almost feel like I need to start pulling in some U of M professors. Dr. Robercheck was one of my favorites at U of M, and he he had such a passion for bike riding and urban urban planning. Maybe one of these days I need to get him on so he can explain it a little deeper than I did. But the really the key points that I want people to remember is. It when you build a city for people first and not cars, which means, yeah, you have less parking, but you need less parking. You have more places for green spaces. You have more places for tables and chairs. You have more places for a place to sit or a place to stand in the shade and talk to someone. When you do that, it creates a more inclusive environment. People who couldn't go to town because they couldn't drive, they can walk. Some people can still ride a bike. They can still come into the community and be back into the community. It's one of the things I always hated about some of these facilities where we have some of our older generations is they're almost excluded from the rest of society. This, this kind of design brings it all back. They can join the rest of us. It's an all-inclusive doesn't matter if you're handicapped or if you're older. Everybody works for the person, not the car. And I'm going to leave it here because it's my turn to do the cheesy line from a movie. But if you build it, they will come. Bam. So, okay. That's all we have for this week. I really do appreciate you listening. I wish we could have done more justice to this topic. We will get back to it. So if you, if you enjoyed this show, please send it to a friend. People see us and hear us because of social media and we only get found when you share it so i do appreciate all of you who share these shows to all your friends and family and hey you never know maybe you'll start seeing everybody around you become more sustainable i also want to thank the individuals out there who are actually donating to the show we have people sending us you know a dollar two dollars per month through our anchor podcast and for for you guys thank you so very much for us it's just it feels great to know that someone has value in the things that we're talking about that's all for this week thank you very much see you next week Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.